Hello, listeners, and welcome to Privacy Chats with Rachel and John. This is a podcast for privacy professionals and, and enthusiasts alike. I'm John. And I'm Rachel, your host, who will be taking you taking a peek at the privacy implications of connected cars. Before we start the episode, I'll share that the information shared throughout this episode is that of our own and not in any way affiliated with our employers or other organizations. These episodes are produced on our own time and are based on our own research and professional opinions. John, you recommended this topic. What what resonated with you about this? So I think a couple of things. Uh, you know, one is there's been a lot of uh, advances in car technology. I think in the last few years, and last year, yeah, it's early this year. So last year, at one point, we bought a new car, or my wife bought a new car, or we bought a new car. Um, that uh, yeah, thank you. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it has a lot of these new features. It's connected. We can, you know, I can I can go onto my app on my phone and turn it on, stuff like that, which is great because it's supposed to be nine degrees tomorrow outside tomorrow. Um, so there's that. I'm recognizing the new technology. And as a privacy professional, I, I can see the, the the potential implications there. And, you know, just last week I was in California. I was there with you, actually. Um, we uh, and California, I think, is the is the you know center of where a lot of this technology is happening. You can very often see self driving cars being tested on the roads out there and stuff like that. So it's just you know there's a lot going on, and I figured, hey, let's talk about this. That's that's interesting because I mean I am an owner of a um, what do you call it smart car connected car, and I I have these same well some of the concerns that we're going to get into um you know floating around in my head, and I mean I didn't buy it because it was the most privacy sensitive car or else I would have bought a 30 year old beater. But I think it, it would be great to kind of compare the benefits against the risks in the setting since it would educate me and our listeners as well. Yeah. From what I've at least re- researched so far, uh, monitoring activities and like the relative awareness that people have about those activities in smart or connected cars compared to phones, it actually seems yeah. like cars are worse because of the general lack of awareness and I mean, I, sure. I'm here as a, even an example as a privacy professional, I need to do my own research. It's not always immediately or apparent what we're subjected to with these tracking and in some yeah. in some ways surveillance technologies that are embedded here. They're totally convenient. I love that I can see in my vehicle any accidents that occur around me or anything happening to my car. Um, and of course, things like Bluetooth connection um, and tracking help me know where my car is when I park and listen to music uh, with apps embedded there. Um, but I'm not, you know, it's not a mystery that there's a lot of work to be done here as far as privacy. I had read a couple of months ago that the Mozilla Foundation study had reviewed 25 different car brands. So not just the yeah. Tesla of the world, but car manufacturers that are um, migrating over to EVs and then in the same wave, more internet connected capabilities. Um, none of those car brands that were reviewed had satisfied the foundation's standards on privacy protections. Once I read that headline, it was it was quite concerning. So yeah. I'm curious to hear what your research found as far as the new features that would pose over privacy for our viewers. Yeah. Um, so so I think let's go back to like the main issue here is that cars are connected. Um, the I, I think I I was looking in my own research. I was looking for articles. Also, I found an article on Fortune.com. Um, and I think it was it certainly referenced that uh, Mozilla article, Mozilla Foundation article that you referenced. Um, and the the I guess alarming quote that I have from that article that I read on on uh, Fortune was that cars are getting an F rating in data privacy. Uh, it said that most major manufacturers admit they may be selling your personal information, 
um, with half also saying they would share it with the government or law enforcement without a court order, which is you know different from I know Apple's been on the news a lot for for refusing to um, you know share share data without court orders. Um, so I thought that was kind of alarming. Um, yeah. So yeah, and it seems to be a space where I I would personally think just as a consumer that I have a reasonable expectation of privacy in my car. Um, yeah. But aside from that, I mean, all the way back from when I was um, in school hearing about the advent of internet connected anything devices, IoT, sure. cars, refrigerators from our last episode, you name mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah. There seemed to be this push or concept in the industry toward software defined vehicles. And that terminology is, is essentially pointing to this idea that we can make cars like we make phones with all of the same capabilities to where they're basically ubiquitous to one another. Um, and both of those, even today, are essentially tracking devices. Yeah. You have modern cars with Bluetooth transmitters and receivers, Wi-Fi receivers, hotspots. They're sending information to hundreds of entities at any given point. Um, and just like phones, they're leveraging the infrastructure that we've built to triangulate location using embedded SIM cards. So yeah. our, you know, when I want to know where my car is, if say my spouse is driving it, or I, like I said, mentioned earlier, I've parked it and I don't remember where I parked it. Some of those capabilities yeah. are enabled by that triangulation. Um, do you have any insight though, on the specific data points uh, that are being collected, whether including those or aside from those? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, it, it, I'm going to start off by thinking, like, what what is it? I think that they could be doing. And if you look at the sensors and devices that are that are in your car, there's microphones that allow us to talk, like, so we can do hands free talking on our phone. So there's microphones in the car. Obviously, we have speakers. They always have had speakers. Um, a lot of new cars have cameras in them, and I know that uh, I think Tesla's, maybe some other manufacturer, use a camera that's looking at the face of the driver to make sure that they're actually watching the road when they're using the driver assist features. Um, so if you combine all of those together, it can listen to what you're saying, it can watch you. Uh, you know, obviously it's got GPS navigation capabilities, so it knows exactly where you are, where you're going, how long you stay there. Um, so all of that is is kind of a concern to me that that you know just that's a treasure trove of data. Um, but looking at research, I found an article. Uh, so Matt uh, Burgess was the uh, author. It was published in Wired.com last June, so it's not that old. And said that they ran uh, ten of the most popular cars through a privacy tool, and found that cars can produce twenty five gigabits per hour or giga sorry gigabytes yeah, per <laughs> hour. Um, and this data includes uh, in their article where you're traveling to and from, every press on the accelerator, and your seatbelt setting. So that's a pretty broad range of different types of data. Um, and it also reported they can gather biometric information about you, which I was a little bit surprised by because I can't, uh, you know, I didn't dive, deep, dive deeper into that, but that's a little bit concerning to me. I will say I did I did find in my research that um, that this could be alluding to that, which is there are sensors on some cars on the steering wheel that can sense the pressure and, you know, for sure applying to it. And yeah. one article suggested that it can even track weight gain by the amount of weight that's being pushed on the car steering wheel. Wow. I don't know if okay. I can verify that personally, but maybe that's yeah. part of the biometrics. I mean, it is data about your body in that sense. I don't know if it's exactly fingerprints, but I don't doubt yeah. that we could move in that direction eventually starting your car with your thumb, right? Sure. I mean, yeah, and it's definitely an inference. And actually the car that Colleen bought, 
is one that it doesn't have a camera looking at your face to make sure that you're that you're paying attention when you're driving, but it uses the steering wheel. So when I get that notice that says, "Hey, make sure you know put your hands on the wheel," um, I'm already looking at the road, but I, all I have to do is kind of just put a tiny bit of pressure on the steering wheel, and it knows that I'm holding the steering wheel. So sometimes, um, you know, that often happens. So it's different different types of sensors in different cars. Um, there sure so, are a lot of them, though, no doubt. There are, and it's creepy. Right. Very creepy. When you think about it. Not just, I mean, creepy, invasive. Um, and I think it can really put someone in harm's way. I'm and I'm thinking of the more tracking technology side of it. Just as yeah. phones can be um, you know, the, either the traffic can be intercepted or the access to the account that shares that um very precise location-based information. Yeah. I can imagine that uh and, and I'm I'm mentioning my comment earlier about you know, when I want to know where my spouse is, just to know when he comes home, we, we have an app for our cars that allow each other and give us permissions to view that information. But sure. I imagine for abusive uh, relationships, that type of access, yes. even that ability can be very harmful. Um, it can prevent someone from having their own autonomy of where they want to go and when, or even, mm -hmm. you know, as far as seeking help when they need to. Um, another yeah. concern I have on, on the creepy topic is the fact that I've read that a lot of these transmissions are not end-to-end -end encrypted. So all of the scenarios that we had mentioned above, all the metadata and, and the formal data about cars, driving habits, who's in the car, what I'm saying, what I'm doing, that yeah. theoretically can be accessed by anyone with access to the server, whether that's the company that should be you know, pr protecting our information or any third party or hacker that gets access to that server. So that's yeah. a, it's a little beyond the creepy and more on the risks, risk end of things. But what what are your thoughts and in, in the risks that could be proposed by this technology that we might not have mentioned so far? Yeah, well, I think it depends. You kind of have to look at who are the who are the actors involved. I almost said threat actors, but it's it's kind of beyond that because they're not all actual threat actors. Yeah, a lot of this and isn't the, for malicious use cases, right? It, it's 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 not, and I guess it depends on on who you, whose opinion you're talking to if it's malicious or not. So so I you know the main player is the company itself, the car company. You buy a company a car from Ford or Chevy or whoever you're buying the car from. Um, obviously, they have access to to the data. Um, and it, it's very clear that they're selling that data uh, mostly to advertisers. And, you know, I don't know the extent to which they're doing that, but, you know, if they know exactly where you are, when you're going there, how long you spend, um, they can infer a lot from that. Like if, you, if your car parks outside of the gym every morning at five o'clock, um, they, you know, can infer that you go to the gym and you're a healthy person. And they could take that information and sell it to companies that sell healthy products, for example, right? Mm -hmm. um, so they're they're selling your data, and some people feel differently about that. But uh, you know, it is your data, and they're monetizing it. So you are becoming the customer here, um, or you're not the customer; the you're the product. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, insurance companies uh, could, and one of the, the pieces of research that I found suggested that insurance companies uh, or that car companies are divulging some of this information to insurance companies. Um, and I, you know, I don't want my car company and my insurance company to be in cahoots with each other because, mm -hmm. frankly, I don't want my insurance company to know um, some of my driving habits. I hope they're mm -hmm. not listening to this. Um, uh, law enforcement, we mentioned earlier that some that, you know, that one article that I talked about, they mentioned that in some cases, they'll they'll turn over information to law enforcement or the government without uh, uh, um, warrants. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about that. But, you know, that's, that's a an actor who's gaining access to, to these data. Um, and, I, you know, the obvious one is cyber criminals, and you kind of alluded to that, if people can gain access to this data, 
Um, they're not going to use it to sell it to advertisers, but they might try if they can use it against you in some way. Or build the um, database about a lot of people in order to, you know, achieve some strategic advantage in a situation that it was never meant for. Totally. Yeah. Or yeah, or even using like those remote control features that you have to mess um, with us. <laughs> to, to either <laughs> to mess with you or to victimize victimize you in some way, or if they can, you know, somehow hold your car ransom. Um, that you can't use it until you pay us a certain amount of money, or if they, you know, hear something that you say in your car that might be sensitive or embarrassing or something like that, or even if you're doing something wrong, like you know, you're, I don't know, you're supposed to be at work and you're at a baseball game, mm-hmm. and and then that information is available, and they, you know, they try and ransom you that. I'm going to tell your boss unless you, you know, that might be a far fetched idea, but you know, and apart from that, it's just going back to the creepy factor. Like I the don't. The principle stands. Yeah. The principle stands. I don't have, I don't have an exciting or interesting life. And I, you know, I could say like, why do I care if somebody knows I went to Lowe's and Starbucks and, and bought a pair of Birkenstocks or something? Um, I, I, I don't care, but, but I do like it's, it's, uh, you know, mind your business, leave me alone. Mind so, your business. Yes. Mind your business. I, yeah. And, and, I reflect as a as a consumer and you know a, a U.S. citizen that a lot of these technologies are baked in, and in some cases to subsidize the cost of something. I mean, we've seen that in more purely software and technology devices, but I wonder yeah. how that'll translate into cars. Where I mean, they're they're remarkably expensive right now, just relative in the past to inflation. But I do wonder right. if this is an angle or a play by car manufacturers to you know lower the price during a certain period of time where they know they can get the income from the data they're selling from what's collected in our cars and you know yeah i I mean hate to cut you out there but i would actually love to see that happening like if they're going to if i am the product i actually want to get paid for it yeah but the reality is well yeah i mean at least lower the price on the car but i (laughs) so i haven't seen that happening because i'm actually in the market for a car um the prices are not coming down as far as i can tell um but yeah they're still taking all this data from us so yeah yeah it will be complex to see how, if if and when that scenario occurs, how that's balanced against, um, you know, users or consumers, I should say, exercising their rights for perhaps not yeah. wanting to be surveilled. Like, is that okay to spend more money and probably the magnitude of thousands to not have these features, but to fundamentally have the same car for a marked up price? Um, sure. I mean, that's something that's contested in software today, but I can see the same thing happening um, just for vehicles in the future. And yeah. You know, the, the myriad of risks we've covered so far, and, and I know at the surface level, there's a ton of research that goes into each of these ones in depth. Um, but I'm wondering, how can the average consumer, you know, monitor and mitigate these risks and make truly informed decisions? Yeah, so I did some research specifically about that, and I found a, cu- a couple of things. There was, there was a, a, a Wired article that mentioned a vehicle privacy report. Um, powered by uh, privacy for cars, so it's pretty easy to find if you're if you're looking for it, and it offers this report that you can run. Um, so I, I I ran the report, so I put it. You have to put the VIN number of your car into it, which pointing out that's actually giving up some personal identifiable, identifiable information, information yep. into a website that I just randomly found on Google. Anyway, so you're welcome. I've done the research for for our audience. Um, so I ran it in for a 2014 car, which is why I'm on the market for a new car, because that's what I'm driving. Um, and it gave me uh, some interesting information. Uh, it's it, it kind of put together some information about what types of data that my particular car collects. Although I wasn't sure if it was about my specific make or model of car or just the manufacturer. Um, so it kind of told me that and it bo- broke it down by specific categories, like if it's giving it to... Um, 
uh, other resellers or service providers or the government, uh, different agencies like that, um, and who they're selling it to. And it also said it, it looked like it, it could have some information about a loan or a lease, but that car's paid off, so there's no information in there about that. Um, it did say I have insurance on the car, but it listed the wrong insurance company, so I'm not so sure that that information was correct. Um, and then it, it did, uh, it, well, it, it had a section about um, uh, telematics and said it that this was turned on on the car, meaning it has a SIM card and it's able to connect, which I simply don't think is true for that car, 2014 car. Um, there's, yeah, I don't think that was true. I, and I ran this a VIN for the car that we bought last year and have slightly different information, which is more relevant to the newer features in the car. So, you know, that's one thing you can do is, is, is look, do some research. Um, I came across a, a Federal Trade Commission recommendation. It's a little bit dated. It was from 2018, um, but it was talking about clearing your personal data and data from your car before you sell it or transfer it, and things like deleting your phone contacts and uh, your mobile apps that you might have, and even say digital contact like music may be stored in a built-in hard drive. But I'm not sure why I would care too much about somebody having music. Um, mm. And then location data, stuff like that. And then pointed out your garage door codes if you have um, garage door opener built into your car. Uh, and then the last one was a different article by Josh Max that was in Forbes.com. And his advice, so his art, his article was specifically titled How to Reduce the Amount of Personal Data Personal Information Your New Car Collects. So totally aligned with our episode. We should have asked him to join us. Um anyway, he said to check the owner's manual. Don't install the Cars app on your smartphone. Don't activate Apple CarPlay or Android Auto. Buy an old car, which is what you suggested earlier. Peter, yep. And yep, and read your terms of service. So that was his advice. I'm not so sure. A little bit skeptical. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, those those recommendations really seem to vary in practicality, right? Um, not, I mean, it, it's going to be harder and harder to find as time goes on cars that are not embedded with these telematics and, you know, yeah. app embedded technologies. And I would even, I, I mean, you, you said that you'd be surprised if there were really telematics um, embedded into your 2014 vehicle. But yeah. a lot of my research showed that these capabilities have been around for longer than we would have suspected. I mean, that's a lot of the sharing with through telecommunication providers. Um, and I think a lot of the instances of law enforcement access and requests for that sort yeah. of information has had those telematics in scope as far back as 10, 15 years ago. Um, so I think, I guess my own personal recommendation is even if you don't think that your car yeah. is uh, new enough to be embedded with this, it's always worth it to check and do some research um, from your manufacturer themselves. And they should be yeah. information on the year, make and model and everything specific. Although your, your tool is a quicker way to get there. If you, you know, aren't worried about that VIN information. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, that's actually very enlightening. So thanks for sharing that, Rachel. The, and it troubles me even more because the reality is if I do have telematics, it, it, I don't know, built into that car, I'm getting zero benefit from it. So in the newer car, I understand it's there because I'm I'm using it's some advertised. of the features that use it. Yeah. Right. And it's advertised. So I'm told about it. So if it's in the 2014 car, there's zero benefit for me. So mm -hmm. maybe the car manufacturer is getting something out of it. Um, so I'm, I'm troubled by that. Yeah. I might, and I'm going to dig deeper on that one. Do it. And another thing I want to comment on um, before we wrap it up here is that that garage door opener access. I remember, yeah. I don't think it was on this podcast, but we were talking about uh, a a friend, I'll say, shorten this up, a friend of a friend actually had their 
house robbed because mm-hmm. when they parked their car at a you know parking terminal for the airport on the way to our work yeah. trip um they had their car opener in their car and in their address actually in the glove box of that car and someone yeah. came in broke into their car and because they had not locked the inside of their garage simply taking that car to their house that they had access to with that glove box they were able to get in the house they robbed a whole bunch of stuff and they left um and i'm sure i mean there were cameras everywhere they were likely identified but that's that's a lot of messy you know cleanup to do and and file those insurance claims and all that and it it could take your valuables that you really care about and it's a scary thing to be broken into so it's intrusive yeah even if they took nothing just knowing that some stranger was walking around it's possible simply by getting into your car yeah yeah yeah, that's scary. So I, you know, I don't know where to to go with all of that because the reality is, I I want the the new features in my car. I like to be able to turn it on using an app on my phone because, and I know that like the remote key fobs do it also. But if you're farther away, if you're still sitting in the middle of a restaurant, you want your car warmed up and you get out there. Um, um. So I want the new features, but I don't want them to use the features against me. Um. So somehow we need to find that happy middle ground in there. Um, and it's like, it's doable. Like, you know, I think that there's a lot of oversight over the technology industry. Um, we talked in the past about oversight that the FTC has over technology and social media companies. And we've talked a lot about GDPR and the influence that has on technology companies and social media companies. And, you know, because of that oversight, there's, I think there's less of an invasion of privacy in our overall use of technology. Um, but so far, cars and um, internet of things devices and our refrigerators that we talked about before seem to be falling under the radar and nobody's paying attention to it. And I think that there's a good opportunity right now for car manufacturers and device manufacturers to you know, just start to self-regulate and, and, and apply good privacy practices that are looking out for our best interests. So I, I'd say that would be the best outcome because um, I don't like there to be a government oversight when it's not necessary. Sadly, I don't think that they're going to do that because they can make a lot of money from selling us to advertisers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, short, short of that, uh, the regulation. So, yeah, they're essentially waiting to be told what's right and what's wrong. That's scary. And yeah. I mean, personally, I think it, it, you're talking about expanding beyond just the immediate software space for, people, you know, organizations like the FTC. I think this is a good example of where they might be biting off more than they can chew from themselves alone. Yeah. So. I'm certainly not against a more comprehensive privacy regulation. Um, I know we're seeing a lot more states and, and even the um, the protection agency in California taking more of an interest specifically in cars this year. I'd like to see yeah. more uh, you know states designate a specific organization to help them out in that regard before we can see a federal privacy regulation that might cover things like IoT devices and cars. Maybe that'll help yeah. incentivize better practices and you know, maybe less in an elective way, but more of a, you know, positive incentive to show compliance and gain trust for, uh, you know, all consumers. Well, yeah, it's true. And I think that um, California is is the place that's most likely to do it sooner. sooner. So. Is that a good example? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in to this prep episode of Privacy Chats with Rachel and John. You can find the links to the articles that we mentioned in the episode description. And don't forget to check out our LinkedIn page where you can keep up to date with our latest episode releases. We previously mentioned a chat regarding AI in privacy with a well-seasoned subject matter expert in the data protection field. We are still looking forward to recording that chat in the coming weeks. Stay tuned and thank you, John. Thanks, Rachel. See you next time. See you next time.